Welcome to the Enoch Pratt Free Library. My name is Vivian Fisher, and I manage the African American Department here at the Central location. And we're very pleased to have you here this evening for a very beautiful um, and spiritual program. It is my pleasure to introduce um, Inspira, which features playwright performer Dr. Amanda Kemp and violinist Michael Germanis in a production which blends African American history and poetry to introduce integrational audiences to the beauty and significance of spirituals. The production celebrates the 150th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation and the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Amanda Kemp and violinist Michael Germanis. Welcome to the Pratt Library. Wait in the water, children. Wait in the water, children. God's gonna trouble the waters. It is 1761. Two African girls are stolen from their homes and families. They miraculously survived the forced march from the interior of West Africa to the dungeons on the coast where they are kept chained on the ground, in the dark, for weeks, waiting for a slave ship to come and buy them in exchange for rum and guns. They're moved from the dungeons to a watery prison in the hold of a ship called Phyllis. Having never sailed before, they get sick from the sway of the boat and the filth on the Phyllis. They vomit on each other. They defecate on each other. They hear women and children wailing and screaming, some praying for death. Sometimes they're led on deck where they must move, dance, or be whipped. One little girl, the one with no front teeth, begins to fade. The other little girl holds her hand tightly and hardens her will. She will not die. And so I imagine the journey of Phyllis Wheatley and countless other children stolen from West Africa and brought to the United States. What was it that enabled them to survive the horrific trauma of the Middle Passage? this strange and harsh land without their parents. The spiritual. 
from the Latin spiritus, which means breath or wind. Good afternoon. My name is Amanda Kemp, and I grew up listening to and singing spirituals at home and at church, congregational style. That is where everybody sang. There was a call or a leader, and then there was a response. That is, a community responded to the call. My partner, Michael Germanis, grew up listening to spirituals concert style, sung by the great opera singers like Leontine Price, Jesse Norman, and Kathleen Battle. Today we're presenting Inspira, the power of the spiritual. Partly in gratitude to our ancestors who created this music, and partly to remind us that we are in a season of emancipation. That is, we are in the window of the 150th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, the 13th Amendment, and the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington. So, the Emancipation Proclamation, what did it do? When we think of the Emancipation Proclamation, what do we think that it does, or that it did at the time in 1863? Anybody want to share what they know about it? Yes, sir. On paper. Yes, on paper. Yes. Thank you. So conventionally we think, oh, Lincoln freed the slaves with this proclamation. So there were four million people enslaved in rebelling states. This is the group to whom the proclamation applied, except Lincoln didn't have any control in those states. So those four million people were not freed immediately by it. But what it did, what was important about it, was that number one, when the uh, Union prevailed, those people were guaranteed their freedom, but number two, it was the first time that the federal government actually took an action on behalf of enslaved people. It was the first time that the federal government declared that freedom applied to black people, not just white men. It's also the season of emancipation because we're in the 51st anniversary of the March on Washington. And the march happened during a pivotal moment in the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. So the spiritual that Michael's playing now woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus, was revamped during the civil rights movement to become woke up this morning with my mind stayed on freedom, as so many spirituals were. This afternoon, I invite you to walk with me to sing with me, congregational style, as we present Inspira, the power of the spiritual. All right? All right. So come on and walk, 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 walk. Why don't you walk, walk with your mind on freedom? Walk, walk, come on and walk, walk, come on and walk. Walk with your mind on freedom. Oh, 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 oh. Spirituals emerged out of slavery. 
Spirituals emerge out of the crucible of whips and chains, of axes and mouth bits, out of young women and young girls being raped and molested, out of men being emasculated and sold. Spirituals emerged out of slavery. So, of course, there's a lot of sorrow. But many spirituals are also happy, upbeat. Now, why is that? <coughs> well, spirituals also emerge out of an experience of the divine, out of an experience of God's love in the midst of redemption, in the midst of hardship and heartbreak. The song that Michael's playing now is a great example of a spiritual that contains both the sorrow and the certainty of knowing that it will turn out all right in the end. I hated this spiritual when I was growing up. Does anybody recognize it? No? Were you there? Yes, yes. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And one of the verses is, were, they, were you there when they nailed him to the cross? Yes. So I hated this song growing up. My, my foster mother would play it real slow on the piano, and I would think, oh, when is this song going to end? I didn't know anything about why it was important or where it came from. But listen to the words. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble. 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 Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Years later when I came back to the spiritual, I was learning piano and my daughter was learning voice. And she was given this spiritual, and I said, oh, I want to learn to play this on the piano. And as I was playing it, I thought, why are they asking this question? When Africans created this song, Jesus had already died 2,000 years prior, so of course they weren't there. So what were they really asking? Well, let's listen to the words. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they pierced him in the side? Were you there when they gave him the bitter herbs? This song is laying out Jesus' suffering. So suppose when Africans were singing this song, suppose they were really singing, were you there when my husband was whipped? Were you there when my daughter was branded? Were you there when my son was buried underground alive because he dared to run away and was caught? They couldn't sing about those experiences directly. So Jesus was a stand-in for their experience. Singing about Jesus' suffering was a way to testify to their own suffering. And if Jesus is a stand-in for enslaved people in his suffering, then he's also a testament to what could happen, what will happen if we endure long enough. And of course, in the story of Jesus, God saves him, raises him up, and puts him on a throne. So this song, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord, has very sad words, 
but the melody's in a, in a major key. So in that song itself, we have both that suffering and that joyful certainty. But what's really surprising is how many spirituals are joyful through and through. Where both the melody and the lyrics are um, upbeat, even peppy. So the spiritual that Michael's playing now, do you recognize it? This little light of mine. So it's a great example of a spiritual that's joyous through and through, the melody and the words. Let's sing that together congregational style. So I'll call and you'll respond. All right? Let's give it a try. This little light of mine, and you sing, I'm going to let it shine. Yes, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. was an example of one that's made its way into many facets of American life. So it's made its way into predominantly white churches, it's made its way into civic associations, camps, protests. As you see on the wall over here, this is a picture of Mrs. Fannie Lou Hamer. Mrs. Hamer was a voting rights activist in Mississippi in the early 60s. She grew up her entire life picking cotton, working in cotton fields from the time she was six years old. And in the 1960s, around 1963, when SNCC came to her Sunflower County, she decided she was going to go out and get registered to vote. And not only that, she was going to organize other black people to do so. Well, Mrs. Hamer was, was uh, fined, she was jailed, she lost her job, she was beaten nearly to death, but she would not stop. She wouldn't stop organizing. And this song, this was a song that she led and that she would sing. So let's sing this song again. Wait, one more thing I want to add. Now I started clapping. So I invite you as we sing the second verse to also add some rhythm to it. One of the things about West African people is that, yeah, the melody would be simple, but the rhythms would be increasingly complex. So let's go ahead and sing the second verse, which is everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. And think about Mrs. Hamer saying everywhere she went, she was going to let this light shine in her. Nobody could put it out. All right, so here we go. Ready? Everywhere I go, when you sing, I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere I go. Okay, some clapping. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Good. So you see the pattern of call and response that you see in spirituals is also present in the civil rights movement and the anti-slavery movement. That is where you have a leader calling, but the call won't have power if the community doesn't respond. So it's an us thing. So just like in West African uh, expression, there's not a performance and an audience, there's a we thing. Call and response. Now the people who added, who created spirituals, um, had a couple reasons for doing it, adding clapping and stomping to them. So one of the reasons is, of course, that um, our drums were taken away. 
So in other places like in Cuba, Puerto Rico, Brazil, people were allowed to make and create, maintain their drumming cultures. In the United States, drums were outlawed. Why? Because they were tools for communicating and communicating in ways that people who were uh, concerned about enslaved people gathering or running away, they were tools that couldn't be controlled. So they just kept them, they outlawed them. The other thing about clapping and stomping, keeping time, it's a way to keep yourself moving when you're working or you're marching, doing some kind of repetitive task, adding rhythm, using different parts of the body helps to keep it moving forward. And the third thing, and this has to do with the West African view of, of spirituality and God, is that the, the body is a sacred vessel. So using the body, activating the body to make rhythm is a way of making yourself fully available to, for the divine to come through you and to be with you. Nowadays, some people call that yoga. As I said earlier, spirituals come from the Latin, spiritus. Does anybody remember what I said spiritus means? Spiritus. Breath or wind. So let's just take a moment just to breathe together right now. You don't mind. Just maybe close your eyes or find a spot to stare at and just breathe in together. Ready? Let's just inhale. And exhale. Good. And inhale. And exhale. Good. Just rub your hands together. Just try to get them nice and hot. And then again, with your eyes closed, if you could place your hand over your heart, on your chest. And just take a moment to breathe into your heart. And out of your heart. One more time, into the heart and out of the heart. This spiritual, if you wouldn't mind just keeping your hands there, this spiritual that Michael is going to play now comes from the heart. playing, if you know this song, go ahead and start humming to it, just staying in touch with your heart. So 
sometimes I feel like a motherless child. In some ways, this spiritual is very simple. It says it all. But if you understand what it means to be motherless in West African cultures, then there's a whole added meaning to it. So in many West African cultures, when a child loses his mother, they're considered an orphan. Even if they have a father, grandmother, grandfathers, aunts and uncles, cousins, that child loses his or her mother. They're considered an orphan. So when the singer says, sometimes I feel like a motherless child, the loss of that nourishment, that protection, that unconditional love, that's what's being referred to. That can't be replaced. And then when the singer says, a long way from home, that's letting us know that they're thinking broader than just the individual mother, but they're thinking about the motherland. that source of nourishment, that source of identity. If you listen to the second verse, that even more reinforces it. Just listen to the words. I'm going to say them. Sometimes I feel like I'm almost gone. Sometimes I feel like I'm almost gone. Such a long, such a long way from home. Such a long, such a long way from home. W.E.B. Du Bois called spiritual um, sorrow songs because they carry so much of that yearning, of that loss. But one of the things I love about this song is that it says, sometimes I feel this way, not all the time. And when the song like this is sung collectively, and it's created collectively as spirituals were, then even in the midst of the loss, there's still the community holding it. You're not alone. Finally, if you listen to this spiritual, just like this little light of mine found its way into lots of parts of American life, this spiritual actually found its way into the classical music world. A famous American composer inverted this for a famous opera, Porgy and Bess. Does anybody recognize? Yes, yes. Summertime. I like to say is that spirituals are unauthored and unauthorized. By unauthored, I mean that they're brought, they're created communally, and by unauthorized, I mean that nobody gave them permission to create them. 
And nobody can tell you you can or you can't sing this song. As Bernice Reagan, Johnson Reagan says, the spirit, the songs are free. But when you understand where they came from and the people who made them, then you can tap into their power. So one of the other powers of the spiritual, of course, is as code songs. So you might have heard of spirituals being code songs for people who were running away. Spirituals are also code songs for telling people we're going to gather tonight. How do we know this? Well, when slave people were interviewed during um, the 1930s, they would say things like, oh, some of them songs, like Steal Away to Jesus, that meant that we were going to have a secret prayer meeting. Or when you heard this song or that song, that might mean that somebody was planning to run away. This song that Michael's playing now, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, is a great example of a cold song. Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, Coming for to carry me home. Okay, sounds religious. Swing low. Sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Listen to this. I looked over Jordan, and what did I see? The Ohio River coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. Let me tell you a story about the power of a spiritual as a code song. Maryland, 1840s, an enslaved young woman named Arimenta knows that she and her brothers are about to be sold down south. So they gather, they're whispering. And Arimenta says, I'm not going to be sold. I will be die, I will die, or I'll be free, one or the other. Her brothers, younger brothers, agree, and they agree to run away. But they want to tell their grandmother that they're leaving, Granny. And she says, no, we can't tell anybody. I'll walk through the quarters and sing a song, and when we're gone in the morning, they'll know that was our goodbye song. Now, Arimenta was known as a powerful singer. People would often listen to her. So she walked through the quarters and she sang, Steal away, steal away, steal away to Jesus. So she sang that song as she walked through the quarters. And later that night, she and her brothers left. But they didn't have a map. They didn't know exactly who they could trust. All they knew was something about a star and a river and a certain faith. Well, they got to walking, and after a couple of hours, her brothers got scared, and they turned back home. But Arimenta decided to keep moving. So walking by night and sleeping by day, she made her way slowly from Maryland to Philadelphia and ultimately to New York. But when she got to New York, she was lonely. And she was worried about her family. 
Suppose they were suffering the consequences of her having run away successfully. Suppose her brothers had been sold. How would she find them again? So she scraped together a few cents so she'd have a little bit of money and decided she would go back down into Maryland and lead her brothers out. Once again, crossing back down, traveling back down to Maryland, walking by night, sleeping by day, singing her song. Steal away, steal away, steal away to Jesus. So imagine this young woman having only her song to keep herself company with the determination to find her brothers. So she got back to her plantation, got her brothers, and they left. Araminta made 19 trips from New York to Maryland, back up to New York, and ultimately to Canada. This young woman got so good at figuring out how to get people to freedom that she had a nickname. They called her Moses. She was also so good at this that they created a reward for her. That is, that the slave owners put a reward out for her capture. But she was never captured. And in fact, she became a spy and a nurse during the Civil War. And when the Civil War ended, Araminta became an advocate for women's rights. You might know her as Harriet Tubman. As I said at the beginning, we're in a season of emancipation. This 150-year window when so many important things happen. Lincoln issued his Emancipation Proclamation. The Civil War ended in 1865, so next year that'll be the 150th anniversary of the end of the Civil War. The 13th Amendment, which made slavery unconstitutional, was passed in 1865, so we're on that 150th anniversary. Well, this last song that Michael's playing, Free at Last, is a recognition, it's a celebration song. Now, this song was created before Africans were free. So the lyrics often about Jesus. But the but the hope, the certainty that people would experience freedom is what's remarkable about this song for me. So and what I like to do is just have us sing a little bit of it, the chorus. And um, and then Michael and I are going to perform a longer piece where we integrate the song into it. Okay, so the words are, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty I'm free at last. Now that should sound familiar to some of us, right? Okay, so who quoted that? Absolutely, Dr. King and I have a dream speech. It's a very, so he saw it as a very important song. So let's just, let's, let's just sing the, the uh, chorus together, okay? So it goes, maybe you already know it. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty I'm free at last. Good. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty I'm free at last. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty I'm free at last. One more time. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty I'm free at last. Now, 
Way down yonder in the graveyard walk. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Me and my Jesus gonna sit and talk. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Yeah, last. So you notice the song doesn't say anything about, you know, emancipation, proclamation, or, you know, maybe the North wind. So he couldn't sing about that directly. So there was all, all often this mention of God or the spirit soaring and flying. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So here's what we want to do. So this next piece is something that um, called Emancipation Suite. And basically um, what you'll hear is a mixture of spirituals, different than the ones you've heard here, spirituals mixed in with the Chaconne by Bach. And you'll hear, text-wise, you'll hear the Emancipation Proclamation, parts of that by Abraham Lincoln, and parts of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. So we're calling this Emancipation Suite. Oh, ago, Abraham Lincoln signed what was for some a second Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation Proclamation. He wrote that on the first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then, thenceforward and forever free. And the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will do no act or act to repress such persons or any of them in any efforts they may make for their actual freedom. addressed over a quarter of a million people in Washington, D.C. on the anniversary of Lincoln's proclamation. He said, five score years ago, 
a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. 100 years later, the Negro is still not free. In a sense, we have come to our nation's capital to cash a check, this promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, are guaranteed inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check. A check which has come back marked insufficient funds. We refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. So we have come to cash this check. We have also come to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. beginning. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro has been granted his full citizenship rights. Many of our white brothers and sisters, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. They have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We can't turn back. There are those who are asking, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied, as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horror of police brutality. We cannot be satisfied, as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We are not satisfied. As long as the Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and the Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. to you today, my friends, even though we face the difficulty of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and come to live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men, 
are created equal. to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. And when this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, we will speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Almighty, we are free at last.